Tyler Jorgensen is a serial entrepreneur who's had a miraculous climb to success after his real estate businesses took a downturn in 2010. In this episode, we talked about how he climbed out of that tough spot by partnering physical products with digital products to increase the inherent value and profitability of his e-commerce products. Let's get rolling. How do entrepreneurs who've already found success with their offers use digital products to gather new customers, grow their businesses, and find the freedom to live a life of meaningful contribution to the world? That's the question, and in this podcast, I'll interview successful entrepreneurs and ask them to tell us how they've used digital content to build their empires so they can change the world. My name is Holly Flick, and welcome to Content Empire Radio. All right, everybody, I want to introduce to you my guest, Tyler Jorgensen. Tyler, how are you doing today? I'm super duper. Good. I'm so glad to have you on here. Tyler is the self-proclaimed biz ninja. How did that name come about? I wondered that for a long time. Man, that's a good question. I There are a few things that happened when Biz Ninja and like all of that started that I don't remember. And I think it was just, I think what happened is I contacted a radio show or a radio station about running ads. And I was explaining what I wanted to run ads for. And then he was asking me more about my business and what I do. And I told him, and and I think he was like, man, you're just like a biz ninja. And it just stuck. (laughs) And so I think it came up conversationally and I just hung on to it. It's like high school nicknames where all the kids get nicknames based on like the size of their head and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, that works out really well. That's awesome. All right. Hey, tell us a little bit about what you do. You're an entrepreneur, nationally syndicated radio host. Oh my goodness. And biz ninja. You own a marketing agency and you're on, you have an ABC news, a weekly ABC news radio show. But before we get into all this stuff, will you tell me a little bit about 2010? So I've always been an entrepreneur from the time I was like five years old and 2010, the around 2008, when the financial market started to collapse, the great recession started during that time, I had a business with a few partners and I was triple invested into the real estate world. So I had a real estate company, I had real estate investments in Southern California, and then we had a finance company. And one by one, each leg of the stool started falling apart. It got to a point where we, where I thought I had navigated through the real estate crash, but then when the business fell apart and the partners partnership started falling apart, things got really messy. And so I remember I was on my way to find out what the, we're going to have the ultrasound for our fourth child. And I checked my bank account and it had negative $17,000 in it because of chargebacks and all these other things. And so I knew at that point that I had to approach business differently. Actually, then I just tuned it out and I said, let me just go live in the moment for what's going on right now. But when I came home that night, I was like, things have to change. I, I can't do business the way that I did business before 2008 anymore. Things have to change. Wow. So you started what is to become your businesses now at that point. And it so, wasn't something you'd yeah. done before. This is completely no. reinvention. At that yeah. Point. So I, the first thing I was starting to rebuild the same business. And then I remember this, I had this epiphany where I was like, hold on, if I'm starting from scratch, I can build anything that I want. And so then it came down to, do I really want to build the same brick and mortar business and the same thing and have, and I was like, no, I think I want to do something different. So the first thing I launched was actually an info product. It did okay. And then I launched a diet product and, and that took off and it replaced my income in the first 30 days and scaled it and ran that for nine years, ended up selling products in multiple stores, multiple countries, and provided income for the family for almost a decade before selling that along with five of my other brands and then starting for sale our agency. 
Oh my goodness gracious. So then you went from the mortgage industry and real estate to, to an info product and then moving straight into, which did nominally well, and then into what really hit, which was an e-com store. And you had done a little bit with uh, websites in the past, but never really an e-com, like selling physical products. Yeah, I've always dabbled. And so building the site was probably a little bit easier for me than somebody else at the time, but I wasn't an expert by any means. That wasn't what I did. And, but I was able, I remember I stayed up really late one night, I built it out. And one of the things that I think will really fit the message of your show here is one of the things I did is I, everybody's selling the, what can I do to make mine stand out? And one of the main things I did was I included a lot of digital assets with every purchase. And so we enhanced the perceived value and really positioned it as a premium product instead of just another me too product. And I think that's what made it work so quickly. So I went to bed that night, I built up, built the site out really quickly, went to bed that night and I woke up the next morning and I'd made $200 of profit. And I was like, man, that was the best night of sleep I've had in a long time. (laughs) That's the most profitable sleep you'd had in quite some time. And then within a month had replaced your income with that one store. And you're you're saying that bundling your physical products, which was a commodity product to a certain extent, didn't really stand out, but bundling that with an information product, what digital products did you offer at that point? Yeah, there was, we did, we did a lot of things and then I continued to do more over the years. And so what we found is, I'm, I'm a big believer of blending digital and physical. So okay. if, if you're a physical product company, adding in digital components to increase, like increase perceived value and increase actual value without increasing costs is a big deal because some physical products don't have big margins. So to add in extra stuff can really eat into the profitability. So to increase the, the price point, increase the sales, like conversion rates, see what you can do with stacking in on physical, on digital. But I'm also a big believer that if you're in the digital product space, man, what could you do to deliver something to that person so they have something tangible? So for example, like the first the first uh, 20 people that signed up for my course, they got actual sunglasses mailed out to them. And uh, they were aviators and, and it was there's some messaging there. But I wanted people to have something physical too. So I'm a big believer of blending physical and digital. So... What you've done now is go from, I, I have nailed this e-com thing. And the success you've had with e-com now is pretty substantial. So now you've had 200 different brands that you've started. Do you run them all right now or is it? Yeah, that's a good question. So I have personally built and sold five brands. Okay. Yeah. And then for clients, I built over 200. There was one, one point of time I was working on a team with an, for an investment group And I had to come up with the idea, the initial build, the initial product, basically zero to launch, and then hand over to the marketing team, 176 new brands in nine. So I like the ideation stage. I like the starting stage. That's a lot of fun. And there's a ton of opportunity in in that space to build those out. And then I have have in our beta launch right now, e-commerce flight school, which is a course on teaching my unique angle of how I launch products. Yeah. So you have, you went from then running in your agency... So we have our own, you have your own e-com stores. You've done really well, sold a few of those. Then you worked with other people to help them build theirs. You have an agency that supports pretty, is it pretty much solely e-com? Your clients Uh, for your agency? We have a couple of divisions, but yeah, e-commerce. And then we have like expert-based businesses that we support as well. And then now you have an e-commerce, we call it's called e-commerce flight school, which I thought was pretty, and that's where the aviators come in. So we get our aviators and we sign up for that. And then in that course, you teach people how to launch from zero to profit 
an e-com store. How yep. is is bundling with their physical with digital part of what you help people do or you teach them yeah, to do absolutely. in your course? We, we go through we go through that in terms of how are you going to stand out? How are you going to look differently? Because there are a lot of people like you can. There's a lot of people selling T-shirts and there's a lot of people that are selling. We've worked a lot in the health and wellness space and in supplements and diet products and stuff like that, just because I've worked a lot in that space, both in my own brands and in gyms and things that I've owned. But uh-huh. so a lot, there's a lot of protein. How are you going to stand out <laughs> from other people that are selling protein powders or pre-workouts? Right. And we, one of the ways we do that is, yeah. What digital product can you include? Can you, so if you're selling a health and wellness product, can you include a workout guide? Can you include recipes? Can you include other things that add perceive that add real value, but also add perceived value to the order so that you can increase your conversion rates. And why are digital products so such a good fit there? And you mentioned something that the experts that'll come on the show won't mention, and it's the margins of your core products are slight sometimes. Oh, so yeah. adding something like a digital product, why is that a benefit versus adding another physical product just margin-wise? Yeah, once you create it, the margins are near infinite, right? So the cost of delivering a digital product is super nominal, whatever the cost of the email was, you know, maybe a penny or whatever. And it's just very little. And so if you can increase the perceived value and, and increase the purchase price without increasing your costs, you're increasing your margin. And that's such an important part of business because now you can spend more money to acquire a customer. Yeah. So the production of digital assets is something that I get questions about a lot. It's a mental block for people. They're like, I don't know how to make an ebook. Like I I can't write like all we know is like Word or the typewriter version of writing it on your desk. Like I have a napkin. Like how do I create a course or a an ebook or something for my supplement business? That seems like a really hard thing for people. Is it do you do you help people with that? Is that something that's difficult for people in your courses? I don't think it's difficult and I think part of the thing is people have to realize they don't have to solve all their own problems. Like to be able to provide a digital asset doesn't mean you have to be the one to create it. And I'll tell you a really quick story about, about one of the ones I was doing. So I was launching a supplement that was called the PAG stack. And it was just PAG was the first letter of the name of the ingredients. And the stack had been introduced by Tim Ferriss in the four hour body. And so I'm like, oh, this is cool. People, I like Tim Ferriss. He, the four hour body, like people are buying it and he talks about these products but you have to buy them all separately. I make supplements. So I'll build a stack so that people can buy one bottle and do it and and have the supplements that they are recommended in the book. So in order to create my digital asset, I went online and at the time it was called something else, but it went on Upwork and said, Hey, this is what I'm looking for. I want a recipe book that includes this type of recipes. And it was going to be called the slow carb cookbook. Cause that was what Tim had talked about. It turned out Tim was already working on his third book And it was trademarking the term slow carb because it was coming out with the four hour chef, which talked about different recipes and things like that. So I got a cease and desist from Tim Ferriss, which was really weird. The the even more weird thing about it was a month later, he was on my show talking about the four hour chef. So it was funny how it full circle. The takeaway from that isn't get cease and desist from Tim Ferriss. The takeaway is you don't have to write your own digital assets or create your own digital assets. There's people that are great at that. Just get somebody else to do it. But once you pay for that one time, it doesn't cost you any more money to deliver it over and over again. Mm-hmm. The only caveat I would say, as much as I've worked with a, a bunch of these, because there's Upwork, there's Fiverr, 
there's a bunch of these different places is make sure that you get the original documents. Because if you do want to make a change, change a title, Facebook changes things every five minutes and you'll let's say you can't say a certain word or something, but it's in the title yeah. of your thing. You just you can go in and make a change or something. That's the only thing that I would say, but that I sounds like that. easy. And the nice thing again is you have it created once and you can use it in a bunch of different ways, right? So you can use a video. Now are your videos that are trainings, are these like professionally? Do you say go out and get a videographer and have them come to your house? And you got to look nice. And what do you uh, recommend for in, people? In a course or in a training? I, it's interesting. We've done, I've done everything from, I've had professional videographers and we've done like fancy commercials. And I've also done the iPhone selfie videos walking through the office. I think it just comes down to your audience and your people. Mm -hmm. If you're selling something, if you're selling a like how to do video, high-end video, you probably want to have high-end video. But otherwise, what I've noticed is people can will manage okay video as long as the audio is really crisp. Yeah. And so I don't over worry about production value, especially at the beginning. I find so many people over worry about the big things and they never get launched. And so you can get launched, get the product. If it's working, you can always improve it later. You can always reshoot later, but getting things out the door is really important. Yeah. Yeah. And even just MVP, minimum viable product, if we can get it out the door and we can prove concept then it's even just worth our time to, oh my gosh, people are buying this. Like I'm going to spend a little bit more time. It's really hard to, to justify time and especially extra money on something when it's, I don't even know if anybody's going to buy oh, this absolutely. thing, but I've seen that. Yeah, I'm huge on that. I, I think in Tim Ferriss talks about in four hour work week, like you got to test before you invest or divest. And so yeah, I'm really big on both on physical products, on e-com testing, on physical products or on digital products. If you're testing a course, don't go build a, a 12 week course before you even know if someone wants to buy it. Like you need to test the market before you spend that much time and energy on some, and there's ways to do that ethically. So you're not like selling something that doesn't exist, but you got to test. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the idea of split testing too. So we make uh what I was working with a client that had a packet of stuff that you put in smoothies. So just to make it simple. Yeah. And we made a recipe book for that. And we made two different recipe books. We made one and we were like, there's no way nobody's going to buy this other one. This other one just didn't make a lot of sense. It was confusing looking. And that was the one that hit. Like everybody wanted that one. And I don't know what the thing was about it, but that was, so it's, it's interesting. And getting a couple of those things made probably cost us less than $50 for both books. Went on Fiverr, put something out there. Like, hey, we need something. Guru.com is another super easy to get this stuff made. All the videos were sitting here like this type of stuff and it can be really quick and easy. Put it together and just see if anybody's interested in buying it. Yep. Doesn't, totally agree. Doesn't have to be complicated. So let me ask you a question. And I'm going to ask everybody this one. What would your business have been like or your life have been like if you could only focus on physical products and digital products weren't part of what you were doing? I know that's a hard one, but. No, it's a good question. I think what's interesting is you don't know, but I have to assume that if I hadn't have done that first e-commerce product in that way, where I stacked the product push the the value. I, I have to believe that I wouldn't have, it wouldn't have taken off the same way. And that was such a pivotal time. That was so important for me at that time that man, to, to guess how life would have been, it could have been a lot different because again, we were, this was everyone around me is getting foreclosed on. It was a horrible time. And I think not only that, but just digital in general, like embracing digital early on where, yeah, I have a radio show, but it also goes on podcast and I don't know how many people listen to it on analog radio over terrestrial radio, but I can see stats of how many people listen to it on podcasts. And that's the digital side. That's the part that lives on even after we were not on air. And it's really fascinating to be able to see months after a show hits, 
where somebody, they watch that show or they listen to that show. And that's the show that impacted them. And that's when I'll get a message. Hey, I really loved your episode with, and it's a guest that I'm like, that was a year ago. And digital allows that, that permanence, which I just think is so cool. Yeah. And that begs the question again, too, of how we define content. And as a content director for a, a larger company, it's one of those things where everyone's, what is it exactly that falls under the content thing? And I, I very much leave it broad on purpose when I explain it to people and your podcast, your show is content. It may not be um, a sales messaging content, but what do you see for your show? What does it do for you? What is the value of it? I think it's good for people to hear this and how you explained it to me earlier was really, it was really, I think it's good for people. Oh to man, understand. I have to remember how I, should, how I explained it earlier. It's interesting. I think that a lot of times uh, with a radio show or with podcasts. So when I started the radio show, podcasts were not acceptable yet. There was only one or two that were getting some initial traction, but there wasn't any money in it yet. And now it's mainstream. Now more people listen to podcasts and listen to radio. I think I don't have data on that, but it's super accepted and well-known and the buried, but the barrier to entry is also really low. So because of that, just having a podcast doesn't automatically give authority because now people are, they have questions as they should, what's your listenership and how long have you been doing it? And, and what's your format? That's one of the things that the radio show does right off is it's on ABC news. And even though those credibility indicators of being a national station and a big name aren't what they used to be, they're still, they still hold value to people. And so it is, it's opened a ton of doors for me where um, getting into events and saying, Hey, I'm I'm here to interview people for my radio show. And just being able to say ABC news has opened doors, having people like Tim Ferriss request to come on my show instead of me trying to hunt them down. It's very rare that I never would have been able to have a 30 minute one-on-one conversation with somebody that I look up that like was a virtual mentor if it weren't for that. So it's opened a ton of doors. And more than that, it's also like how it's lingered. And that again, people find those old shows and it it is the ultimate pre-sales tool. I don't have to do the same type of sales and marketing that I, I would have to do if I didn't have that because I have this net that's already cast that's constantly every single week getting in front of new people. Yeah, I like that. And, and you hit that, that exactly what you said. So you remembered that was great. But the idea, but the, right, yeah. but the idea that the show isn't a, it's not a sales conversation with your audience. It's an opportunity for you to sit down and actually have, first off, you have something to give somebody when you meet them. You say, Hey, I'd love to interview you. I have an audience and you happen to have authority indicators with the ABC thing. That's pretty neat that a lot of us don't have or won't have, but saying I have an audience and I'd love to put you in front of that audience. That's a gift that we can give people. And our natural inclination is to say that, yeah, that thank you. That sounds fantastic and come on. And and it's an opportunity to have conversations that we would never have had with people that we want to be meeting. So it's something you can give someone on the very first time you meet them which I think is fantastic. And a lot of people don't think about podcasts that way. They think about podcasts like I'm creating content for my audience, which we are, but it's also an opportunity for us to gain that, those relationships, which are clutch for what we're doing too. So I think that's kind of cool. I like what you do there. Okay, so we're going to finish up here, wrap up, but I have at the very end, we do these rapid fire questions. So there's only three of them, <laughs> so it shouldn't be too tough, but I always, these are always really interesting to hear the responses. Okay, what is your favorite quote and why? I have a few quotes that depending on what's going on in life tend to be the favorite. So right now, my favorite quote is without vision, people perish. And it's because anytime I'm leading my company or leading my team and trying to grow, if I'm finding resistance, if it's not easy, it usually has to do with the fact that we're not all 
working towards the same goal. And so my goal, my number one job is to make sure we all have a clear vision and a fear and, and we're in alignment. That's awesome. That's a good one. Okay. Most impactful book you've ever read. There's a, there's all the ones that you want to say that you feel like you're supposed to say, but I think the most impactful was the four hour work week yeah. because it completely, even it was like the book that said, Hey, the way you think is actually okay. You're not broken. And here's a roadmap to doing it faster. And so I literally followed the steps in that book to launch my first business. And it's still the the blueprint of what Tim laid out in that book is still in my business today. That's a good one. And last one, if you could personally be mentored by anyone dead or alive, who would it be and why? Yeah, that's a hard one too. Because I have a lot of really cool mentors in my life already that I feel like I can reach out to and I can get impact, get information from, and I'm really grateful for the amount of people I have in my life that I consider mentors, both virtual and, and real. So I'm going to go dead here and I'm going to go all the way back to Nikola Tesla. And because he's, he wasn't organized and he was, he didn't have a lot of things, but he was an amazing, he was amazing at ideas and in making ideas real. And I'm an ideas guy, but making each idea like come to life. That's the part I really want to do better with. That's awesome. That's a good deal. All right. Thank you so much for being willing to come on the show with me today. It was an honor and uh, a privilege to get to chat with you. And honestly, the fact that you'd spend, one of my taglines is that our time is our greatest asset. And so the fact that you'd be willing to spend that with me and give value to this audience is fantastic. And where can everybody find you if they want to learn more about what you do and what you're about? What you're up to. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram as biz ninja. You can go to tylerjorgensen.com and you can check out our agency at forsale.com. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for, for joining us and listening in. Thank you so much for being on with us, Tyler. Absolutely. Take care. Hey y'all, it's Holly again. And real quick, I wanted to tell you, I just reopened my Facebook community to the public and it's going gangbusters. This is a group of elite entrepreneurs looking to learn about the art and science of using digital products to grow their businesses. And it's literally the only place I'm planning to be active with sharing my own content and what I've learned personally working with eight and nine figure businesses over the past decade. So come hang out. Just go to contentempireradio.com forward slash group. Come hang out with us. Can't wait to meet you. Take care. Thanks for listening.